0: You're listening to the Homegrown Faith podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend Richard Sweatman about God, the Bible, and life lived, growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle.
1: Hey there, Joe. How are you doing today?
0: Good, thanks, Richard. Very good. What have you been up to?
1: Ah, uh, well, it's uh, been, to be honest, not a particularly exciting day. Uh, <laughs> you know, ministry—you'd be surprised, Joe, but it's not all glamour.
0: Uh, (laughs) that is shocking to hear (laughs) (laughs) it's not all seeing people become christians every minute of every day (laughs) yeah yeah
1: i I was not in the stadium preaching to thousands or uh, (laughs) so yeah a little bit mundane but um that's okay i'm I'm perfectly thankful for those sort of days
0: Mm, mm. and what do you mean um doing this week or what do you mean yeah
1: interesting stories to? I thought I'd share with you and our homegrown faith listeners um a little bit of uh phone game I've been playing um oh. it feels terrible to be talking about a phone game because it's not the example you want to be setting people um <laughs> but, we won't uh, judge
0: you Richard authentic- you're a brother
1: <laughs> authenticity is what we're odd about in this podcast that's exactly so, right so that's I'm, exactly right I'm not gonna present a veneer uh, but um having uh, some uh, having teenage sons or nearly teenage sons uh, well, Alex is fourteen, Andy's twelve. Um, one of the fun things is just sharing what's going on in youth life or young person's life with them now, mm-hmm. and um, so they shared with me this game called Among Us, uh, which is apparently huge at the moment on phones and computers and things. And uh, this this game Among Us is uh, it's, it's a little bit like Mafia, um, oh, you know that yes. game where you're trying to guess who's the who's the killer. Only in this case, it works like you are a spaceman on a spaceship with 10 other little spacemen and they're all, they're quite cute. They're, they're little colors and, and their visor and they don't have any arms. They just have hands sometimes. <laughs> and they're on a spaceship trying to get ready for launch to escape somewhere. And so you're, you've, everyone's got to run around and do little tasks like pressing buttons and um, starting up the engines and so on. Uh, but two out of the 10 or one out of the 10 spacemen are imposters. So there's like an imposter among us. And um, so, yeah, you're playing online. There could There's other random people playing online or maybe a bunch of friends if you're in the same room and uh, one of you, most of you are crewmates, some of you are impostors. And the imposter's job is to sabotage the mission and oh. secretly kill people and survive a kind of who is the imposter voting process that happens. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yes, I've been sort of sitting next to Andy. He'll play a bit and then I'll play a bit and we sort of, comments on my strats which is a, a young person word for strategy <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're getting so down with the lingo i'm oh, feeling old and not able to keep up <laughs> i know
1: I, it's, it's it's great fun learning all these words and um so uh yeah we've been uh, having yeah a handful of games of among us uh and so far i've been killed um, a couple of times i've um I've been the imposter, and then I've I've been discovered, and then sort of ejected from the spaceship. You see your little body oh. floating off in space.
0: Uh, oh, that sounds fun! That sounds time,
1: really good. Most of the time, I've got no idea what's going on. People are running around. <laughs> there's messages flying around. They're saying green sus, red sus. He was in med bay, and Andy's saying do this, do this, do this, do this. And <laughs> before it's all, before I know it's all over. So. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get addicted which is nice I'm, I'm I have you know uh, I've have uh, deleted phones I'm getting games I'm getting addicted to yeah uh, I think it's mostly just a bit of fun I can share it as I shared little activity with the boys but uh, oh
0: that's sounds- not that sounds fun.
1: You can choose to download it or ignore it at whatever <laughs> you think is white, right, and wise for you, Joe.
0: <laughs> I, I have an addictive personality, um, <laughs> and so I try and stay away from anything that is not just enjoyed in little pieces
1: with someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, well, maybe that's a good approach. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: How about you, Joe? What's been going on?
0: Well, we talked a little while ago um, about going to Harris Farm and and discovering something new and taking mm. it home to cook it. We do. Um, and over my holidays I did it again. And oh, I'm great. pretty excited with the results. Yeah. So I was wandering around and I looked at all the different kinds of tomatoes and I thought, mm. "Nah, that's a bit passé. Everyone can cook a tomato." Yeah. But I discovered a golden beetroot. Oh. Which is like a regular beetroot, yeah. but golden coloured, which I thought was crazy because beetroot is beetroot coloured. It's like orange is orange coloured, beetroot is beetroot coloured. And I couldn't conceive of anything that was a beetroot, but not beetroot coloured. So it's basically a quite luminous orangey yellow colour, wow. like bright sunset colours. Wow. Exactly the same as a beetroot, same shape, same kind of style and I brought it home and I thought what will I do I considered dip I considered Mm -hmm. making a a beetroot dip at two different ones because I bought the regular beetroot as well as you need to have the the normal comparison and you're cooking Mm. and so I I ended up landing on roasting because it's the only way I've ever liked eating beetroot before yeah it's nice so I roasted both and the reviews are in here they are oh yeah firstly normal beetroot still is not my favorite thing to eat (laughs) golden beetroot texture wise is exactly the same as a regular beetroot crazy you feel like you're eating the same thing yeah but the color uh, the taste is quite it's quite it's a little bit it's not got the same kind of tartness perhaps Mm -hmm. a little bit sweeter and it's it tastes almost like it's hard to explain so you feel like you're eating beetroot. You're definitely not in any question eating anything else. You're definitely eating beetroot, but it's more like sweet and a little bit lighter flavor. Mm. And yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It felt kind of like a uh, yeah, just a little bit of a different kind of root vegetable. It was yeah, good.
1: Yeah, well done. I cooked mm. um I cooked borscht once for my for my family. <laughs> you know the beetroot soup.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. How that goes. Russian.
1: Not – nobody wants it borscht again, yeah. <laughs> Most of them couldn't finish their bowls of borscht. And the funny thing is we were – our our pee turned red for the next day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which everyone enjoys but then is a little bit freaked out by it, and then you realise – beetroot's – I'm yeah. just a beetroot hater. I'm going to be honest, I don't like beetroot. Yeah. But um, – Golden beetroot, I could eat more than normal beetroot. Yeah.
1: Well, good what on you, you for trying empty. something new. I, I look forward Thanks. to this. Could be a regular segment. This
0: <laughs> could be. This could be our regular. We could have a little jingle to go at the start. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to the word of the Lord. What have yes. you been reading, Richard?
1: Uh, I've been uh, reading through Jeremiah a bit slowly at the moment, or Jeremiah two. Um, I uh, um, one of my Bible habits is to read a bit slowly, verse by verse, and. Um, I don't like to mention this much, but I, I do try and keep up a little bit with the languages I have been was learning in um, Bible college. Mm. So sometimes with my Bible reading, I'll do a little bit of, um, yeah, uh, a yeah, bit, bit of original language stuff. And right. uh, just a particular phrase uh, really struck me in Jeremiah 2, verse 5, um, uh, which I will read. It says, This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? they became worthless idols and became worthless themselves. And uh, as, as I was um, yeah looking at these words, another way of saying that phrase, they strayed so far from me, um, was actually uh, just that they distanced themselves from me. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, is just a, a common word for create distance or become distance or distance from. And, um, yeah, there was something just about that. That different word of of becoming distant, you know, because that is, it's a word that we use in other relationships quite commonly. Mm. Like, not mm. not you won't often say I strayed from my um, my mother's father's family or something like that, or I strayed from mm. the threat. you say I, I became distant. So th- mm. that language we do use in our regular relationships, and then so as I'm coming across it here in verse two, oh, sorry, in verse five, it's like, wow, that's yeah, what that's. Like really sad to become mm. distant from God. Mm. The fathers became distant um, from the one who, yeah, rescued them from Egypt. Mm. And that, yeah, it just brought a bit of color, a bit of mm. depth, emotion to mm. yeah what it is for humans to be distant from God.
0: Mm. And the repeating of the word worthless. Mm. There, it was also quite stark. It's quite a, sa- a sad, sobering verse, isn't it? Mm. The picture of them getting distant from the Father but also the Lord but also then following worthless things and becoming worthless themselves, such a sad kind of statement about the reality of the people.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a, um, a repeated idea in the Old Testament, I think, of um, becoming like the one you worship um, mm. and so following worthless idols um i think it's just originally kind of worthless things things that are worthless um and becoming worthless themselves um mm. uh yeah you become like the thing you follow so there's a real sadness to that verse uh, about what the um yeah what people are doing mm. um
0: well, I'm thankful for the fruit of that study you have made. That's
1: good. <laughs> yes, it's not a very cheerful thing for our podcast, I'm afraid, Joe. But um, mm. you know, the light of the gospel shines because of the darkness of sin and judgment. Mm. So, um, yeah, it uh, it is helpful in our spiritual life to see sin and and for what it is. Yeah, mm. and mm. that's one of the ways it's been talked about. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, who knows what I'll cover next week? But enjoying, yeah. Um, sobering jeremiah always is but yeah enjoying reading the word Mm. there very good but uh turning to you joe what um yeah what have you been thinking about reading what kind of ministry yeah
0: well i I had an amazing lunch with an older sister in christ the other day who's um a real missionary to people who are muslim and she's um She's, she's seeking opportunities to be an evangelist, evangelist to Muslims. And we were talking about what she's doing and looking for opportunities in the Newcastle community to reach out to Muslims. And we were talking about the life series and how if you, if you were going to do a devoted Muslims. Life series it would be it would be shaped completely differently compared mm. to the quite Western style life series we've got, um, and it, it really got me thinking about evangelism and realizing how much um, one particular book had shaped my thinking about evangelism. And so, over the holidays, I usually will listen to a biography or two. I mm. really love listening to biographies of Christians, yeah, uh, because I find them easy to engage with, but also make me think about how God's at work in different people's lives. And so one I have read and reread multiple times is called um, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. Oh, all right. Have you read it?
1: I haven't, oh, but I have yeah. heard of it. Yeah, yes,
0: yeah. Nabil is a guy who grew up in the US and around the world. His father was in the armed forces and so they moved a bit, mm. who was raised in a devout um, Muslim family and then came to become, um, become a follower of Jesus. And he's... It's a very engaging read, but he also, as he shares his story, he talks about how to share the gospel with people who are Muslim. Mm -hmm. And I found this – I'll just read a bit of a quote that I found very striking. He says, There are costs Muslims must calculate when considering the gospel, losing relationships they have built in this life, potentially losing this life, and if they are wrong, losing their afterlife. It's no understatement to say that Muslims often risk everything to embrace the cross. Mm -hmm. But then again, it is the cross – There is a reason, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to, to save their life will lose it. For whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Would it be worth it to pick up my cross and be crucified next to Jesus? If he's not God, then no. Lose everything I love to worship a false god? A million times over, no. But if he is God, then yes. Being forever bonded to my Lord by suffering alongside him? A million times over, yes all suffering is worth it to follow Jesus he's that amazing um, and it's just this beautiful exploration of him becoming a Christian through this really wonderful relationship with a particular friend who is a Christian and who who really engaged in deep Bible reading with him but also how God just brought him to see the the most beautiful and valuable part of the gospel which is it that it that you're saved in Jesus and that means taking up your cross and following him. So it's it's an amazing book. Um, but what's really interesting about it is, and this takes me to the second book I've listened to, which is called I Dare to Call Him Father. Wow. Which two, I've only listened- two books,
1: Joe. You are proud. yeah.
0: Well, well I listen to them as audiobooks as well, so um, it's not no, sitting still.
1: This um, is
0: great. Yeah, but this is I Dare to Call Him Father, and I yeah. I forget the name of the lady who wrote it. I'll, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Um. And the theme across both of these books, and in the conversation I had with this woman who's an evangelist to to Muslims yeah. in Newcastle, is this theme of dreams and revelation through oh, dreams. Really? Yeah. So this woman who's an evangelist, she said, you know, we pray that the the person who's engaging with Christianity would have a dream of a a, um, a glorious man, a white man who who comes to show them truth or something around that idea. She said it. I've paraphrased her yeah. unneatly there, but um in both Nabil Qureshi and this other woman, I dared to call him Father's Journey, they both experience dreams, which then they test against the scriptures. And these dreams are quite central to them becoming Christians. All right. And so, yeah, it's really gotten me thinking about dreams and revelation around dreams. Mm. Um, and because, I'm, you know, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool reformed evangelical who believes in reading the word of the Lord and all these things. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite confronting to me to think of evangelism and praying about dreams, but I I also can see how God has used these in these people's lives. So mm. yeah, very interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, great. And did mm. Nabil did he himself uh, go through hardships when he became a Muslim?
0: Yes, there. Um, towards the end of the book, you're left with quite a sad picture of of his family. Mm. Um, just devastated at his conversion. Yeah. Um, and the same is for the, the case for the other lady. Now, that I would put a caveat in the I Dare to Call Him Father book, there's, a, there's quite a significant theological concern I have with her story. Yeah. She talks about sin as somewhere, a time when God leaves her presence and then when she's being godly, she feels God's presence, which wow. I really disagree with. Yeah. And so I would say that book I probably less recommend as a book in terms of its theological correctness. And all biographies you have, you know, you, you might think different differences about. But um, I think for both of them, it's the cost on the, their family, their family's grief. Yeah. Um Probably not a threat against their life for Nabil, but this woman who becomes a Christian, um, through her story, it's obvious that her life is very much at risk and she must flee. Yeah. And yeah. so quite significant um, threat against life and there is an attack upon her life in the in the book. And so it's quite striking to see them take up their cross and follow Jesus. Yeah, it's been yeah.
1: good to read. I think you're modelling for us there, Joe. a good approach to reading biographies. Yeah, just to mm. learn, and grow, be encouraged, inspired. Yeah, it doesn't mean you sort of uh, swallow, take on everything. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And and I had a friend Pip say to me just recently. I was discussing these books with her, and she said, "Yeah, we want to always be allowing God to speak through different people's testimonies, and they don't have to be perfect testimonies because God's perfect. We are just always growing." Mm. I just thought that was a perfect. It was a perfect encouragement to me. We were walking along through Glen Rock, and she said this profound statement, and I was like, "Yes, this yeah. is how we read biographies." So yeah. it's been really good to to think about evangelism to Muslims and wanting to be more equipped for that um, through these stories. Yeah. So.
1: Mm. fantastic well mm. i think we are nearly out of time my Mm-mm. kids will be coming home any moment <laughs> I, I won't i won't let this them play among us until all the jobs are done
0: <laughs> stand firm richard
1: <laughs> all right talk to you soon talk to you soon bye
0: bye